Welcome back, Mission Daily. Listen, we're gonna talk about a technology that's been around, but still isn't adopted more widely. Where yes, we are talking about Bitcoin, in Bitcoin specifically, I'm not talking about any other cryptos. Stephanie has been long Bitcoin for a long time. I have been tepidly like, remember, I don't move first on technology. I wait for some levels of adoption. And now I'm like, dude, this is the way I spend I want my um, the way I'm viewing my um, my net worth, Stephanie. Is I want 33% cash, 33% equities, 33% real estate. That's what I'm moving towards now. So I'm not there yet because I got started a little bit later in the game to Bitcoin. But um, based on what we've experienced personally with SVB and some of the other banks, it is shocking how your money's not actually your money. That's that's probably that is the thing like people that have not tried to move mass quantities of money through need don't realize how their money's yeah. not. So money. SVB highlighted this for us. I mean, yes, I have been bullish on Bitcoin since 2013, I think, when I pitched it to my economics yep. dude at Fannie Mae on. Well, it was more blockchain, but at the time, Bitcoin was, you know, what you were buying. You were just my snowboarding buddy, so we I know talk we about did it back then. So back then, I didn't I, even talk about. It. Well, you it was also very contrarian. <laughs> like many people call me dumb, but I mean, hey, I bought four of them for nine hundred dollars back then, which felt like a lot of money for nothing. I wasn't sure what I was buying, but the concept was interesting to me. And at that time, I was having family members from Germany sending me money, and they literally were asking me to go to Western Union, and I was like, "What is that? Why do I need to go somewhere to get money from you?" <laughs> and so when I started hearing about this concept, the only reason I was so bullish on it was because it would meet a personal need of mine of, hey, you could just send this to me somewhere else and I could have it instantly versus me going to Western Union. I don't even know what that is. Like that feels very old school. So fast forward to today, we had all the issues with Silicon Valley Bank. We've been trying to shift our bank so our payroll could get met. trying to wire in payroll amounts. And I mean, you know this better than me because you're just calling me in the evenings asking me to do certain things. But <laughs> finally, it seems like you understand, of, you know, when it, when it comes to moving money, the traditional banking system just feels stupid. Yeah, I, th- I think people do not realize what it means to use a bank. Um, so let's let's dive in. I'll tell the story from, not from like the like some altruistic thing, but this is just what happened. Okay, so we have money in SVB. It goes into receivership of the FDIC on that Thursday or Friday. Can't remember when it was. You guys can listen back in some episodes. They'll be linked below. We could not withdraw our money, so we have the money. We can make payroll. We have bills due. We don't have access to our money. Okay, so me and Stephanie are like, what are we going to do? Okay, the, allegedly, then the FDIC comes out over the weekend and says, and, and you know, we have under two hundred thousand, but it's enough to cover payrolls for us. Like we always keep a, a amount to cover payrolls, and the stress that we were under in that moment was like it was it was it was it was something mm-hmm. substantial. So then we get access to our money, then we have to wire it out. Well, wires uh, are not don't settle immediately. So you're kind of in this like limbo stage of like, did is my money there or not? So then your money lands in another bank. So we now now we have two banks. So then we're told that the withdrawals from the new bank haven't been approved yet. And like, what do you mean not approved? Like, so there's like our payroll process says they're not approved. So. They said they were going to do a dollar test. I remember. I'm keeping Stephanie in the loop the whole time. Like, they're going to do the dollar test. Then they said, oh, we haven't tested it They just yet. didn't. Like, 
Why? But this, you, this is now my problem. <laughs> I, this is now my problem. Like, yeah, we can't withdraw the money from the new bank. It needs to be a same day payment. I was like, well, how am I supposed to do that? Because this bank, you know, they, they're, it's a great bank, but it has one thing. It doesn't allow for online wire. You have to call in. And they didn't notify me till that bank is after hours. I'm in Denver. By the time I find this out, suddenly, Stephanie, what are we going to do? She says, okay, well, I'll cover the wire. We'll reimburse because the cash is there. This this will get this done. And all the while we're paying yeah. wire fees. We're literally paying wire fees. Could people say like Bitcoin fees are expensive no. to, for the transfers? No, 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 no. Wire yeah. fees are more expensive. So we're paying wire fees all over the place. So we're now Stephanie's wired the money personally. Then Stephanie asked a really funny question, which was great actually. But it, she says, well, how will I get my money back? And I'm like, I we can't wire. Know. I don't can't easily quickly wire. Because, <laughs> well, it's also, we used one of the more, like a smaller, more regional bank. So there's no like, there's no branches where Stephanie lives. And the closest branch to me is like a hundred miles. I'd have to drive a hundred miles. And um, you can't wire money from a business account to your personal account, which we found out with all the Silicon Valley correct. bank drama. I tried to quickly get in there and wire out our money to my personal Amex account because I'm like, F this noise, we gotta get our cash out quick. And that's what all my founder friends were doing. And here comes Amex, you can't do that. We're not gonna accept this, we're pushing it back. I'm like, no, there goes our money. Oh yeah, so your your bank, your receiving bank has to agree to the wire too. So most people don't yeah. realize, that, realize that. And so what you, what you find out so quickly is your money is not yeah. actually your money. Your money is like, well, it is your money, but it's like, trapped by these holders, these holders of these financial institutions, which the whole point of having money is, of course, you have to pay them to pay your bills and stuff like that, of course. But they don't process money with speed. And so over the last few years, I've been buying more Bitcoin in, I mean, you can settle transactions in seconds. And and so like, would this be... just the just the this last couple of weeks of like not ever having access to the money that we have earned has made me so yeah. tilted. I'm like I'm a hundred percent in on Bitcoin. Cash, cash is trash. I see them printing yeah. it all the time. Like, dude, I tell all my friends buy as much Bitcoin as you can. If you like, there's less than five percent mm-hmm. global adoption oh, yeah. in the world right yep. now. It's like if if this becomes more prevalent, like it. It's the only true store of value. It will always, because the government just keeps printing yep, yeah. more cash. And I, it's interesting when I've uh, talked to friends about this as well, they're like, well, if you accidentally send it to the wrong wallet, like you lose it forever. And I'm like, yeah, I screenshotted Chase's wiring instructions where it says, if you send it to the wrong account, you may never get this back. You probably, like they literally have that now. And I'm like, Correct. it's no different. You do need to make Correct. sure you send it to the right person. And <laughs> it's the same thing with any of these big banks. Like. If you get the instructions wrong, they cannot get it back for you, from you. Unless the other person is like, hey, where'd this come from? Correct. Here, you can have my have this money back. Like, It's the same in either scenario. So yes, you do have to have more agency sometimes when it comes to the world of crypto. You have to know where you're storing things. Yeah. Yes, you need to pull it into a hardware wallet where most people are keeping their crypto on the Coinbase's. They're keeping it on exchanges. That's fine. But you want to actually pull it off that exchange and keep it in a hardware wallet so in case something gets hacked, you never know. You just don't want to hang out in an exchange. So there's things that you need to know about it, but there's a lot of opportunity. Here's what I've learned 
over my time, because I keep accumulating more knowledge, is that the Bitcoin network, the software that runs Bitcoin, has never been compromised. Yeah. It is the exchanges yeah. that have been compromised. Yeah. So when Mount GOX went down, it's because someone hacked into Mount GOX and because they they were effectively the way it worked. So when people hear this, they might be like, I still don't know what you're talking about. But it's like the way Bitcoin works is when you set up a wallet, you basically declare on the software program, this address mm -hmm. now exists. And all the other computers recognize that address exists. And so then that becomes the node, if you will. But the way these exchanges worked in the past, Mount GOX, they had one node. And then they would then on their own software separate out, well, Stephanie owns this much, you know, Tommy owns this much, Albert owns this much. And so they were using their own software to kind of figure out who owned what, but all the Bitcoin was in mm -hmm. one place. So whether it was hacked or the guy bounced and defrauded everybody, I mean, I don't know if you can tell the difference. Yeah, I mean, um, it's yeah, hard to tell. That's, it was not a problem. It was not a software problem. It was a malicious actor problem at at the point of impact. And so that's very much so one of the things that I someone argued against Bitcoin with me once was like, the real reason why you need banking is to settle disputes. And mm -hmm. I was like, I think there will be a time when, so like, for example, like I just recently bought a commercial property. We had to wire money to the lawyer. The lawyer settles like who gets what of mm -hmm. the money and then they can give you the title and all that other stuff. I think this will be done basically with, I mean, it's a, like you said, it was a trust. Like I have to trust my law firm. I wire money to their account. It's completely based on mm -hmm. trust. Had my law firm just said, fuck you, I'm out of here. I'd be out of the yeah. money. Like I'd have, to, it would be hard to claw it back. Um, so it'd be no different from like in the future, the law firms might have a Bitcoin address where they're like, hey, you have to send it here. We're going to use it to settle all the inbound cash from the seller mm -hmm. and the buyer. When all the contracts are settled out, it'll get redistributed yeah. instantly. Which is exactly what I did with cash, except I had to wait. I had to wire the money like 48 hours prior. Like it's, it's took a while. I didn't get to, I don't know what the, the, how fast the buyer got the money, but I know that I've bought, um, I refinanced property with uh, rocket mortgage before and a refinance with someone else. I know rocket settled the money much faster mm -hmm. than the other, other, um, I'll give you another example. I currently put, put a bid on a house, which eventually I lost, but the seller hasn't signed the termination contract yet. So my, my payment, my down payment is just being held. Oh in. man. Yeah. I mean, right yeah, now. exactly. There's tons of use cases of why actually having ownership of your money, who knew, matters and timing matters a lot. But I think the biggest thing, a bigger thing that I think about outside of our worldview is that there are so many other countries that can just have their entire reserves, yes. their entire cash of their family wiped out in seconds because the government can literally just come in and demand their money. And so while I think all the problems that we deal with now around inflation and, you know, not getting our money quickly and all that, that is definitely a thing. But so many other families in other countries and people have it rough because the government can just come in and steal everything you have if they feel like it. And there's so many stories around that. And so that's why I have always been bullish on Bitcoin um, because of that use case right there of like actually being able to own whatever you have, like own the currency, if it is Bitcoin or whatever other crypto, like it is yours, getting it off the exchanges so someone can't just come and steal it from you. So I think that's where, I mean, there's a lot that needs to come to place, like uh, infrastructure wise for other countries to be able to use it. I know other countries like Argentina have tried to use it before and there's reasons why maybe El Salvador 
El Salvador says it's U.S. dollars or Bitcoin, and uh, that there's a lot more vendors in uh, El Salvador that yeah, accept so Bitcoin. Like just street side. Yeah, so that's the piece it. that I think some other countries like they were like, hey, we're moving to Bitcoin completely, but then they didn't set up like it's like a marketplace. Like then the vendors all of a sudden were not uh, accepting <laughs> it, and then there was the front end applications for those vendors that basically turned Bitcoin, which is very decentralized, into a not decentralized thing anymore because here comes the government. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can only you can only buy it if you put it in this yeah, uh, account. Yeah. So or there's something like a that. lot of work that needs to be done, but. That to me is the beauty of any decentralized currency is just knowing what you have and being able to like, yeah, just own your own stuff and not have to worry if someone's going to come in and just take it. Or if you're trying to quickly get money to a family member, not having to wonder how long it's going to take to clear. And if there'll be any middle person who just comes in and says, hey, you owe me a huge fee for me to get this to the family, which happens in a lot of countries. That's what yeah. Western Union I mean, yeah, is. and Western Union. Yeah, well, I'm talking Western about the more Union. even shadier actors. But yeah, Western Union, same thing. You want your money? I'm oh, going to take a fee of it. But I'm talking about there's a lot of other places that it's like, oh, yeah, we'll deliver to this family, but we're going to take a 20% cut to do that for you. And so there's just a lot of things I think it could solve. And um, yeah, I'm glad you're bullish on it with me now. Finally. <laughs> I've only had to have access to money super mm-hmm. quickly more recently because of SVB, because of the, some of the things yeah. that we've encountered. And it's it's not something – see, the average person probably doesn't think about it because you've never maybe been removed mm-hmm. from your money. But I saw that this was uh, trending on Twitter. Whether or not it's true, I have to look into it more. But I saw that Australia is going to put a cap on how much cash you can withdraw. I'm not surprised about Australia. Like, <laughs> yeah. Australia is just like, yo, you can't take out cash like that because you, you've mm-hmm. seen a lot of the bank runs. You ever for which was interesting by it because it didn't make the big that big of news, but Credit Suisse basically failed. It's the forty fifth largest bank in the yeah, world. Yeah, why didn't that make news? The Bank of Switzerland, oh. UBS Warburg. Oh, it's took so it over. funny actually that you said that because about maybe it was a month or two ago there was a whole episode I was listening to where this dude was talking about how Switzerland as a country is going to fail, and he went through all the dynamics of why everyone thinks Switzerland is like this. Great place. People are paid well. It is expensive. Neutral banking. Yeah, and he he went through their <laughs> balance sheets and like how the country actually operates and how a lot of it is dependent on Credit Suisse. And he basically was like, "You watch, Switzerland's going to go down." So that's interesting that I didn't know that actually happened. You're right; it didn't make the news, but yeah, it it, it didn't make the, it didn't make nearly yeah. as big of a splash. But people have been saying it forever. But I think we as consumers probably haven't felt it as much until more recently. But our government, let's just talk about U.S. government. When it gets in serious trouble, it prints Mm -hmm. cash. It just prints cash to the point where it devalues cash. Devaluing is felt in the form of inflation. So now everyone feels it. Uh, Post-pandemic, they printed a lot of money for relief checks, for companies, uh, Project Lightspeed or whatever it was called to get the vaccines made like those the money didn't exist they made it mm-hmm. appear in thin air and now all of a sudden shit's more expensive like oh how'd that happen <laughs> it's like well yeah <laughs> there's just more cash yep. in the system and this is this is how it's been since um you know basically since the 70s when the united states moved, removed itself from the gold standard it's just started printing yep, yeah. like crazy and that's and and and, and is it ever going to go back to a standard 
It doesn't no. seem like it. So then it becomes more exciting to me that there's only ever going to be 21 million Bitcoin, of which a lot of them are lost forever. Because when people like <laughs> Stephanie bought them in 2013, they- I still oh, have them. It's not first worth of that all, much. I still have them. And second, yes, I wanted to emphasize that point for anyone who missed Albert quickly saying that. That is why I'm also bullish on Bitcoin because it can only have 21 million ever. No new Bitcoin will ever be created past 21 million. That to me is interesting. So while the government can't handle a system like that, Bitcoin already has, the rules are already in place. You already know the games, like the rules to that game that you're playing and you understand it. And it can't just change quickly because that has been the dynamic of, I mean, anything. It can be like, our US dollars. It can be platforms. The companies come in, they're trying to build their company on Facebook, they're trying to build it on Instagram, whatever. And the rug just gets ripped out from under them because the rules of the game change. And so that's why I like Bitcoin because the rules can't change and you actually know like how to operate in that space, how many there will be and how much they could be worth. And they're not going to go down. Like there's only a limited supply. So that's my favorite piece of it. Yeah. It's like the revert. I mean, it's actually what would have happened if we actually kept, um, the monetary system in the form mm-hmm. of precious metal, right? Because there's only so much precious metal on earth. Had we, had we in the very beginning when we we're using gold shillings and I was, you know, going to buy some chickens for Stephanie and I gave her that gold coin. Had we stuck to that level of currency, her gold coin obviously could buy more things than a chicken today, right? It could be passed down infinitely through family and so on. But that's the reverse of what currency is. There is no currency today that can buy what it could buy, that can buy the same amount that it could buy even one generation ago, it always buys mm-hmm. less. All currency buys less. If it was a true fixed limited supply quantity, that one shilling could buy more. And so there's too many, there's the, the more I read about, the more I learn about Bitcoin, the more I experience banking in it's all its shittiness, the more bullish I am. So basically I take each of my paychecks and I'm just like, yo, yeah. I'm buying Bitcoin. I'm buying Bitcoin. I'm buying Bitcoin. And if I'm wrong, then that's going to be sad. Yeah. But, but I also, but, I want to. But I don't think I will be. But I know, but I, let, me, let me, before you go, but I know if I save it in cash, I'll also yeah. be sad. I was going to say, also, when you say, if I'm wrong, <laughs> I would love for you to quickly, I know we don't have too much time, but quickly talk about like, what does wrong mean? Because you said, you know, I've bought Bitcoin at 50,000, 62,000. I bought it at 20,000. And so maybe let's talk about what is wrong. Because if you have a long-term approach, like what does long what does wrong even mean? You know, you could have been wrong when you bought it at sixty thousand, but now your dollar cost your oh, dollar yeah. cost averaged your investment cost averaged. It. Yeah, I'm 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 even money right now. Yeah, my if all my bitcoins combined, uh, it's it's about twenty eight thousand dollars. I think bitcoins trading between twenty seven and twenty eight as as we speak in this episode right now. Um, so wrong exactly. So what would wrong be? Wrong would be. It has to be a moment of time. So it's got to be the future. Wrong would be, let's say, in 10 years from now, I want access to money to do whatever it is I want to do. And the value that I've spent on Bitcoin is materially less than it's currently worth. And the other part has to be true. The alternative investment I could have made, which is equities, real estate, or cash, is materially greater. So that spread would be your wrong. And there's an event where you actually sell. Like you have to actually sell your Bitcoin. And I have to have the money. Yep. Yeah. And I have to have the money. Yep. So all those things would have to be true for me to be wrong. Because if all cash and all housing and everything crashes, then I'll be no worse. I'll be in the same. I'll be the same. You know what I mean? If it, and if it, so that, that's, 
that's the same. And of course, what I hope for is that Bitcoin will have grown more than had I put it in equities held in cash. I already know had I held in cash. Like, dude, yeah. L. Uh, I only maintain a cash balance to make buy real estate and do other things with it because cash mm-hmm. is a tool. If you put it in equities, of course, and I sell the equities, then I have to pay, have a tax event. Like, yeah. I don't want that because then speaking of not owning your money, I made the money. I paid ta- I paid income tax to have money to buy an equity that I sold that I have to pay capital gains mm-hmm. tax on. And did I just get double yeah. taxed? Yeah, did. I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it sucks. So yeah, um, a lot, a lot of it, but like the, 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 the fixed amount and then the ownership. I think that what was more clear than ever in the last month is you do not own your money. The money, the mm-hmm. bank owns the money and it's like up to them. Do I release it? Am I willing to release it? Oh, your wire request came in after three. Yeah. Did it? Did I feel like doing the uh, test deposit? Oh, sorry. That person was out of office that day. They just forgot to do that test deposit. Whatever the reason was, you don't own your money. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's the big thing. It's like the not owning my money is becoming more clear that I don't own my money. With that, if you have any stories like this too, we want to hear them. Like, is your money getting caught up? Are you thinking about using Bitcoin? Are there already use cases where it's working well for your company? Let us know at infoadmission.org. And also, please give us a rating and review on the show. Let us know what you think. We would love to hear from you. All right. We'll see you next time. Hey, listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word, and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.